to look at, look at his prayers as a model for our own prayers. The title for today is called An Anatomy of Prayer. An Anatomy of Prayer. And as I said, we'll look at Paul's two prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. I ask that you would stand with me as I would pray and we would read God's Word. Heavenly Father, again, we just come to you. We come to you with expectant hearts that we would see Christ, that you would build your church. We ask it in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is what God says, Ephesians 1, 15, beginning in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. That the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. And also in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to recommend to you a book that I have been enjoying by Guy M. Richard called Persistent Prayer. Persistent Prayer by Guy M. Richards. If you want to know more about the book or get more info on it, see me after service. Well, an anatomy of prayer. And when we look at prayer, it's something we would probably say, I know what prayer is. I pray. Of course we know what prayer is. It's an essential doctrine. It's a, it's, it's a staple of the Christian life, at least it should be. But if we'll be honest, prayer is probably what we do the least. Or we pray in desperation. We pray and, oh, God, help me now, or I need you now, God, so come to me. And let's be honest, oftentimes God is a genie in a bottle. We rub him the right way, he comes out, he blesses us, and then um, we go on our way. Prayer is essential to the Christian life. So when we do a study of prayer, it'll be wise, and it's, we are going to, to begin right at ground level. So the question is, what is prayer? That's the first, what is prayer? If I were to ask you, you would probably have a a lot of different uh, uh, interpretations of it. Well, the Hebrew word for prayer 
is tephala, and the Greek word is prosuke. Just to help you understand. There is no definition of prayer in God's word. There is no definition for it. So we have to come up with our own. The most basic definition is that prayer is talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. Do you talk to God? Right? You know, it wouldn't be weird to talk to God, especially to talk to God out loud. Nowadays, people talk to themselves all the time. They got those little earbuds in, and they share their conversations, right? It's amazing that people have no filter when they have those earbuds, and they're walking down the street or standing in ShopRite, or ShopRite, Walmart, and um, they share their entire life. There's no filter. It's actually, it's horrible. Um, so it wouldn't be wrong for you to walk down the street talking to God and asking God to bless this person or bless me. And that's There's nothing wrong with talking to God. Do you talk to God? John Calvin, the great reformer, defines prayer this way. Prayer is nothing else than the opening of our heart before God. Prayer is nothing else than the opening of our heart before God. We've defined what prayer is. And then the next logical question would be, well, to whom do you pray? Whom do you pray to? And you say, well, duh, it's God. No, it's Jesus. Well, who is it? Well, we need to remember that everything of God is Trinitarian. Everything about God is Trinitarian. It revolves around the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So prayer is Trinitarian. The correct formula, if that's the word we could use in Scripture for prayer, is to the Father, in Jesus' name, and the power of of the Holy Spirit. If any of you have listened to, and I would encourage you to, to go on YouTube, to go into the internet and look up Donald Gray Barnhouse, former pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church. He was just a great preacher. He, he, I, think, I believe it took him um, 12 years he preached through the book of Romans. Just an extensive on it. And he had this great voice. And he said, we come unto thee, God our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Guy was a great preacher. But we come to the Father in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 18, and Ephesians 7, 1, 17, and 3, 14, to our Father, to the Father. Where in Matthew 6, 18, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. He's the starting point. In Ephesians 1.17, Paul says, the Father of glory. In 3.14, he says, I bow my knees before the Father. So we go to the Father in Jesus' name. And Jesus says in John 16.23, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. We're not going to get into that, but don't take that at face value. That may sound bad. It's not whatever you ask, right? It's not what I, trust me, I wish it was, right? Um, but it's not. It's actually better than whatever we would want. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, praying in the Spirit at all times. 
So prayer is talking to God. Prayer is to the Father, to the Son, is to the, to the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is an evidence of God's grace. Did you know that prayer is an evidence of God's grace? Only God's children have the privilege of talking to God. I mean, anybody can pray to God anywhere in the world, right? But it doesn't mean God listens or God hears. God hears the prayers of His children. It is a special grace for God's children alone. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 19. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, here it is, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's prayer. So that you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Prayer is evidence that God's grace is upon your life, that you can come to the Father boldly to the throne of God, and God will hear you. Prayer is also a means of grace. It's a way of obtaining grace, not salvific grace. That's already been given to us in Christ Jesus. But it's the idea that I come to God and I ask for things. And when I come to God, I admit that I have no strength to do anything here. That if it's not of your good will and of your good pleasure, I have nothing. All I have is... There you go. Thank you. Somebody sang a song today. All I have is Christ. Right? So prayer is a means of grace. As the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, there it is again, through Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He's opened up for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Or as Paul said, as we just read in Ephesians 3.12, It is in Jesus in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. We can come to God when we need grace, when we need God's help. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, For for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You need God to listen to you? When will God listen to his children? Right now. Come to God right now. When? Right now. How many of you have seen that Domino's commercial? 50% off. Right now. Right? Right now. No, right now. God, right now. Prayer is worship. Do you know that prayer is worship? We think we just did worship, right? So we put worship over here. We sang some songs. Boom, we worshiped. No, worship is everything that we do. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. I pray, when I pray, when you and I pray, we are worshiping God. Because prayer by definition is saying, God, I realize that it's not in my... Well, we're going to go with John's sermon last week. It's not what I see. It's not in my strength. It's not in my story. And it's not in my own sovereignty. It's all about you. I realize I am nothing without you. I cannot do anything. I cannot have anything unless you do something. I worship God in prayer because I acknowledge who God is, that He alone is my help. Prayer is also personal. Prayer is personal. Prayer is personal for the individual praying, and it is personal for the one being prayed for. Look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3.14. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul makes it very personal. Right? When a person comes to God in prayer, they come alone. We pray 8.30 Sunday mornings in the visitor center. I would encourage you to join us. We are praying as a group, yes. But the person who is praying is praying alone before God. Our prayers are personal. They are us and God, though we may be praying for somebody at the same time. And the great thing about God is that while we are praying, millions of people around the world will be praying to God. And you know what God is able to do? Give His full individual attention to everybody at the same time. Right? The millions of people praying to God at the same time in no way dilute God at all. God is fully fixed and has His attention on His praying children. So don't ever, don't ever think God is too busy for you. That God has better things to do. God desires that we come to Him. God desires that we talk to Him. And when we come to Him in true faith, when we come to Him in weakness and in brokenness and all, in the way that we come, God says, I'm here. You, I fully have your attention. God will never, while you're talking to Him, kind of be like on His phone like this, all right, you're talking enough, and you know, God will never go, oh, hold on, let me, let me take this real quick. God will never do that. We do that. Let me ask you this, how often do we do that to God? Do we actually answer our phone in church? Look at our text in church. Check out Facebook. Get, do we do that? That's enough of that. Prayer is personal for the person being prayed for. Look what he says in Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you... I want you. Paul is personally praying that they would personally be blessed by God. That you be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Prayer is profoundly personal. And because it's so personal, prayer should be specific. Prayer should be specific. Now, I'm, what I'm not trying to do today is tell you, is, is, you know, is to make for you a new template of prayer. 
Jesus gave us that. Nobody can top what Jesus does, right? Um, But Jesus gave us a model, and we have other models in the rest of Scripture. Scripture as a whole tells us how to pray, and these are elements of prayer. If if you're going to pray for somebody personally, that means you know the individual and you care about the individual. At least that should be implied. So therefore, don't you want to be specific about what you pray for that individual? Have you ever talked to somebody and, and you're listening to them and you start, sit, sit and you start saying to yourself, how did we end up here? Wait, I thought we were talking about, what? how did we get over here? It's horrible to listen to somebody who was all over the place, is it not? Right? Why should we subject God to that? Can God handle it? Yes, God can handle it, right? But why should we? Let's be specific in our prayers. Prayer should be specific. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, what? Let your requests be made known to God. That implies that I have a list. I have things that I want to bring to God. And they're specific things. You know, God, I just ask, you know, just bless my day today, you know. Well, you don't know what your day is? You don't ask God to be with you specifically? Hey, God, you know, I, I, I have my chores today. I have, my, I have to go out and do errands, Lord. You know I'm going to be going to. I would encourage you to be very specific about every detail. We pray, you know, people say, pray for traveling mercies. God, we ask that you be with them as they travel. That I am not demeaning that. But wouldn't it be much more better? That's good English right there, right? (laughs) Um, And that's right, much more better, because that's how I talk, right? And God understands me. Um, Wouldn't it be better when somebody's traveling and they ask you to pray for traveling mercies, a great Christian term, that we'd be very specific about what that means? I know for me, and I'm not trying to, you know, I ask that God would be with their vehicle specifically, that it doesn't break down. You know what? That there's no delays in the airport. That if they're on a plane, that there is no passenger that's going to make a scene and cause the things, you know, because that's what's happening today. You know, that no one would get sick on the trip, Lord God. That they would enjoy fellowship with each other and with you. Be very specific about things. Look at Paul's prayers. Look how specific Paul is in his prayers. We're going to read them again. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. The very specific stuff is going to come up in yellow. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, look, what? May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance and state, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might." That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is to be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You think Paul's specific right there? He's extremely specific. And he's very specific about things that matter spiritually. Do other things matter? Yes. Go look at the other prayer in Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the richest glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we think or ask, According to the power that is at work in us, to him be glory in, Christ, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Very specific. Very specific. What I'm doing is trying to encourage us. Be more specific in your prayers for each other and your prayers for yourself. We're not informing God of anything, right? We know that. But prayer is for us, not for God. Prayer reveals our hearts. God knows all things. We'll talk about that question in a little bit. Prayer should also be orderly. Again, we go back to being all over the place. Prayer should be orderly. Perhaps you've heard the acronym ACTS when you pray. ACTS. And I would, I would give these to you as an, as an option for orderly prayer because God says that He is a God of what? Order. He's not a God of confusion. He is a God of order. Just by, being the, by the fact that He is God means He's in order, right? Just by His nature, He has to be. The first is that of adoration. Prayer should begin with adoration acknowledging who God is, giving thanks and praise for who God is. Let's look at some prayers in Scripture. Jesus, in giving the template for prayer in what is called the Apostles' Prayer, in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, says this, Then pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice the adoration, hallowed be your name. God, you are holy. Acknowledges who God is. Paul, in Ephesians 1.17, says that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. In his prayer, in chapter 3, he writes this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, again, acknowledging who God is, that He is the source of all things, that in God, in Him, we live and move and have our being. There's this incredible prayer by David. When Solomon, his son, was commissioned to build the temple. Prior to that, Jesus lived in a tent, the tabernacle. 
where God lived, Jesus, same thing, um, was in a tabernacle. And it was in David's heart to build a temple for the Lord. And God says, listen, David, I love it, but it's not for you. It's going to be for your son. And so David amassed all the materials. David had everything set aside. He's ready. He commissions his son to do it. And this is David's prayer. Listen to David's prayer. Listen to the adoration that just pours out of David. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning in verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Wow, right? When we rightly adore God for who He is, it should also cause us to naturally see our own failings. When we give adoration to God, when we acknowledge who God is, and we use the words of Scripture to acknowledge who God is, because those are the words God uses. You are glorious. You are holy. You are just. All of those things. All power belongs to you. You're the one who rises up. You're the one who sets down. It's all about you. When we acknowledge God's greatness, it will naturally lead to us seeing our own inadequacies. It will should naturally lead us to see that, you know what? I fall short before a holy and a righteous God. As Isaiah says in 59.2, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, so that your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. And so we have adoration, which should lead us into confession. Lead us into confession. In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.12, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have this incredible prayer in Daniel. Daniel prays for the nation. Daniel's a righteous man. Daniel got swept up by Nebuchadnezzar, taken up because he was smart, he was good looking, and he was in the ruling class. So he got taken to Babylon. But you know what? From all accounts, Daniel never participated in the sins of the nation of Israel. He was righteous. He was good. And Daniel prays. For the nation of Israel, while in captivity in Babylon, serving as the number two to Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, he says this. After God had given him a great revelation, as in Daniel chapter 9. He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love and keep his commandments. Where does David begin? Adoration. I know who you are. You're the great God. You keep covenant. You keep steadfast love. And then he autom- right away goes into confession. 
We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Do we regularly confess our sins to God? Do we ever mourn over our sins? I, I, I'll be honest, I take God's grace for granted so often. I know it's there because God's word tells me, God, I'm really sorry, God, would you forgive me? And then I just move on in life. Without ever contemplating and thinking, you know what, I sinned against God. Because I sinned against God, I sinned against my wife, I sinned against my kids, I sinned against my neighbor. It's not a light and small thing. To my shame, I take it lightly. Do not take confession lightly. Do not take confession lightly. When we acknowledge who God is, adoration, it leads us to confession. And in our confession, we can give thanks to God because God has forgiven us all of our iniquities. I confess my iniquities, and God says, but you know what? I have it covered, right? Look at what it says. The next would be thanksgiving. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands and from east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Or as Psalm 103, verses 3 to 5 say, It's God who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, I can give thanks for God because my sins are washed away. Or as Paul wrote to the church in, in Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 13, But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Give thanks for the blood of Christ. Give thanks for the forgiveness of God. And then, fourthly, supplication. Asking God for things. Simply asking God. As Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Ask God. You know, it's not wrong to ask God for things. What kind of things do you want to ask God for? Do you need, do you need financial help? Ask God for it. God may direct you to better balance your checkbook. Right? That would probably be the starting point for all of us. It's not that God's going to give you a windfall. He may, and if he does, praise God. Ask God for things. There's nothing wrong to say, God, you know, I, I don't need this, God, but I would really enjoy this. Ask God for it. He may say yes, he may. We don't know what he's going to say. Don't obsess over it. Don't obsess over it, but ask God. It's okay to ask God for things. 
Jesus says this in John 14, 13 and 14, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hmm. Really? How many of you have asked God for things and God has not done it? Is anybody... I'm there, right? I must be the only one. God must really hate me then, I guess, right? Right? Some people got two hands. We've all been there. God hasn't answered the way that I think God should answer, right? The problem is, I think God should answer this way, right? As soon as I put conditions on God's prayer, say, God, you've got to answer this way. You've got to come through this way. We automatically... Tell God, I do not believe you're sovereign over all things. You can only work my way, right? The question many would ask, if God really has sovereignty decreed all things, why pray? If God really has sovereignty decreed all things, and God has, there's no question God has. You know we teach that here. Because that's what God's Word teaches, not what we make it up. God has determined the end from the beginning. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The what? The beginning and the end. Jesus created the world. Jesus is going to end the world. Why pray? The very simple answer is because we are commanded to. God commands us to. We are commanded to pray. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. You and I do not know the future. Scripture has revealed to us big things that God is going to do. We know that God is building His church right now. And we can pray, God, build your church and be confident that God is going to answer that prayer. We know that Jesus Christ is going to return one day. Scripture tells us that. You and I do not know what's going to happen the second we step outside of this door. There's a lot we don't know. And God knows it. But I don't know it. And God says, because you don't know it, talk to me about it. Talk to me about it. Ask me about it. Pray to me about it. I don't know all things. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Lennon in his sermon made a statement that just resonated with me. He says, while God's purposes are determined in eternity, His work is performed in time. In time. You know where we live? In time. We live in right here and the right now. God, I need your help. God, would you provide? God, would you? What does James say? If anyone is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone rejoicing? Let him sing songs of praise. But always add this. God, I would like. God, would you provide for? Would you heal so-and-so? James tells us to add this little. Not little, I guess it's important. If it's the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will. But how does that square with, if you ask in my name, you will get it. The more 
I study God's word, the more I pray to God, the more I get to know God, spend time with the saints, and I understand the heart of God, the more I will pray according to the will of God, and I can be guaranteed that the will of God will be answered. Does that make sense? You understand that? Does that mean I shouldn't pray for a new truck? No, absolutely. Pray. I'm praying for a new truck. And I don't mean new like new to me. I mean new. Right? And I believe God has you to provide it for me. That's a lie. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm just, you know what? But there's people that would do that. No. I ask God, and God, if I get it, I get it. Till then, Lord, help me keep fixing my truck. Right? There's nothing wrong with asking God for things. He delights in giving good gifts to his children. Which of you who asked for a bread, God would give a stone? If you asked for an egg, would give a snake to you? He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He only gives good things to his children. Only good things. Can anybody say here say, I've received bad from God. God gave me the short end of the stick. Not a single one of us. If anybody's given the short end of the stick, it's us to God, is it not? We pray because we live in time. And we need to pray according to God's design. How God says to pray. Prayer, when it's done rightly, and when it's persistent, consistent, and when we're students of God's word, you know what prayer does? Prayer gives hope. Prayer gives hope. Look at how he ended his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You know, when God does answer you, you're going to be blown away by how God answers you. Jesus said, ask of me. I'm going to give you a good measure. It's not only going to be pressed down, it's going to be shaken. It's going to be spilling over. But I need to be careful for how I look for that pressing and that shaking and spilling over. It needs to be the way God says it to be. Because the greatest answer to my prayer might be God saying no and giving something else. A great example of that is Johnny Erickson Tata, who wanted to be healed completely and God said no. God said no. And she has been effective for the Lord and has a ministry with disabled people. Unbelievable what God has done through her. And it all, the inner story, it all comes when she realized, you know what? What I thought was a no was actually a yes. Amazing what God will do. Prayer gives hope. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things you have not known. God's going to answer us in ways that are going to blow our mind. He's going to provide for us in ways that are going to blow our mind. So to wrap it all up, as we look at Paul's prayers in Ephesians, and just as an aside, another book that I would recommend to you, a book my wife is actually reading right now, is Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. And anything from D.A. Carson is absolutely fantastic. Well, let's just go over it real quickly again. 
What is prayer? Prayer is opening our hearts before God. Prayer is Trinitarian. Prayer is evident, well, Trinitarian, to the Father, in Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is evidence of God's grace, proves that I'm saved, that I can come to God. It's for God's children. Prayer is a means of grace, that I come to God in times of need and trouble and even want and desires. Prayer is personal. Prayer should be specific. Prayer should be orderly. Prayer is commanded. And prayer gives hope. We, above all, are not a people to be most pitied, but a people who have the most hope. Because we have a sovereign, holy God who washed away our sins in the blood of Jesus Christ and says to us, come and ask of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you for the commandment of prayer. We thank you that you are an awesome and holy and a righteous and a just God. We thank you that such a great, incredible God would say to people such as us, come and talk to me. Let's sit and have a conversation together. I love you, and I want to hear from you. And because of my son Jesus, I'll listen to you, and I will answer you in a way that's best for you. And so, Father, I pray now for all of us, particularly those who are struggling in life right now, whether it be depression, whether it be financial struggles, health struggles, relational struggles, whatever it would be, Lord God, that you would grant them hope through prayer as they draw near to you. I ask it in Jesus' name and the power of the Spirit. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. Let's close in a doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.